the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you so very much for joining us as we get started at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this free-for-all Friday that's probably not free for all. We have a number of guests that we're going to be talking to today, but I think you'll appreciate them. Coming up in about 10 minutes, uh, by the way, the 14th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2020, and that, of course, means Happy Valentine's Day to you, and I hope you have a wonderfully uh, special day or evening planned for your loved ones uh, today. Uh, I guess. I, I'm kind of in the camp of, you know, this is one of those holidays. It's like uh, it's like Swedish Day. Doesn't it come around in the fall sometime, only in some parts of the country that decided to adopt yet another greeting card uh, manufactured <laughs> holiday uh we're going to make up something and we are going to make you spend a whole bunch of money on it because we want the revenue and uh, hey capitalism baby it works but happy valentine's day if indeed it is something you uh, uh celebrate or are forced to celebrate otherwise you're gonna be sleeping on the couch uh okay Coming up in about uh, a little less than uh, 15 minutes, we're going to talk with Rob Frost, who is the chair of the Republican Party of Cuyahoga County. We're going to talk to him about the Democrats' despair uh, by way of their own deconstruction. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of infighting. There's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of problems uh, in the Democrat Party right now. You're seeing chirping back and forth between people like James Carville and perhaps uh, frontrunner uh, Bernie Sanders. I shouldn't even say perhaps right now after winning in... Um, after winning in uh, New Hampshire and uh, a top-two finish in Iowa, it is uh, clear that Bernie Sanders is the standard bearer right now, at least until Mike Bloomberg starts actually running in primaries and getting onto debate stages. So um, we're uh, he's fighting with uh, uh, with Carville. He calls Carville a political hack. Carville says, at least I'm not a communist. 
Wow. Yeah, things are getting hot in the Democrat Party. We're going to talk about that with Rob Frost, as well as a little bit of friction within the Republican Party, which I will address momentarily. Also coming up this morning, another Rob at 935. Rob Walgate, our friend from iVoters.com and from the um, Public Square uh, Radio Network, as well as uh, uh, the... uh, Oh, for crying out loud, the Ohio Roundtable. I keep wanting to say Associated Press when I say AP Roundtable. It's not a, a Associated Press when it's the AP Roundtable. Uh, it is the American, I believe that's American Policy Roundtable. So we'll talk to uh, Rob uh, Walgate about a number of things, including the delegates and, and how these things are portioned out for the Democrat Party. In other words, he's going to try to make sense of what happened in Iowa and then add that to what's going on in New Hampshire and try to calculate the way things go for Bernie Sanders. Will the Democrats try to pull... Uh, you know, rig the elections, if you will, the way they did for Hillary Clinton in order to keep Bernie Sanders out of uh, the catbird seat as the nominee for the Democrat Party. Uh, they used super delegates. They used everything they could to try to steal the nomination from Bernie last time around. Will they do it again? Also going to talk to Rob about Virginia. Virginia, the state of Virginia legislature, passed uh, a bill requiring the electoral college votes from their state to go not to the candidate that the state voted for. The electoral college votes in the general election for President of the United States in Virginia would go under their bill to whoever wins the national popular vote. In other words, Virginia will commit their electoral votes to whomever wins in California, New York, Texas, uh, you name it. They, they, whoever wins the net. In other words, they're trying to prevent a repeat of 2016. They want to make sure that their state's electoral votes go toward a Hillary Clinton if she wins the popular vote over a Donald Trump. And in this case, it would be a Bernie or a Buttigieg or whomever. So uh, is that constitutional? Rob Walgate has dug into that a little bit, and we'll talk to him. And then at 1010 this morning, Peter Kersenow. He uh, was not able to join us on Tuesday. He did join me on Larry Elder a couple of nights ago. But uh, Peter is going to join us now for your education and entertainment coming up at 1010 on all of these things. I want to start... With Bill Barr, uh, and he is the Attorney General of the United States. And let me just tell you point blank right out of the gate, I love Bill Barr. I truly respect this man. I think his, um, I think his knowledge of the Constitution and his commitment to justice as the head of the Justice Department is second to none. Um, I think he is the best friend Donald Trump has ever had. Not because, as the Democrats say, that he cheats in order to protect Trump, but because he actually does see the deep state in action, and he is working for justice. And that means, yes, for victims of injustice. And that means, yes, Donald Trump. Donald Trump has been victimized by the injustice and the corruption of the ridiculously wild witch hunts uh, by the Democrats from the Mueller investigation of the Russian nonsense for the first two years of the president's presidency, or two and a half years, Um, and then, of course, with the Ukraine and the nonsense impeachment. Bill Barr is easily the best friend the president has. Let me rephrase. Bill Barr is the best friend the presidency has had as an attorney general. And Bill Barr is under attack. Bill Barr is under attack from the Democrats because he uh, intervened uh, 
in the sentencing recommendations by some of his team's federal prosecutors who wanted to lock Roger Stone up for nonviolent process crimes for seven to nine years. In a trial that has so many twists and turns and layers to it, it's really, really hard to follow. But Bill Barr saw the injustice of seven to nine years for a nonviolent uh, uh, process crime for Roger Stone and said, yeah, we're not going to be doing that. He did this in response to the recommendation made by the federal prosecutors. Did it on his own. But, and that of course has the Democrats calling for his head. This is beyond contemptible. There's no justice in the Justice Department because Bill Barr is only out to protect Donald Trump and his cronies. That's the narrative. That's the story being told. They want Bill Barr gone. Meanwhile, President Trump tweeted about that very same case as Bill Barr was making his own statement about, no, we're going to reduce that ask from seven to nine years to two to three or three to four years because it is absolutely inconsistent with sentencing guidelines based on these types of crimes. At the same time Bill Barr is making his own mind up independently on what is right or wrong, President Trump took to Twitter, as you know, to condemn the sentencing in the same way that I just did. The problem is, according to Attorney General Barr, that makes it nearly impossible for him to do his job. Why? Well, because when the president tweets, this is unfair and this must be stopped, and then Bill Barr is in the process of quote-unquote stopping it, then it looks like Bill Barr is just taking his marching orders from the president rather than being an independent-minded attorney general. And that, of course, is a disaster. So Bill Barr, essentially, in an interview on ABC, said the president needs to stop tweeting or I can't do what I have to do. So just to be clear here, did you talk to the president at all about your decision regarding the recommendations? The recommendations on this case? Never. Anybody from the White House call you to try to influence you? No. Nope. So I have not not discussed the Roger Stone case at the White House. He has not discussed anything with the president at all, and yet he is being attacked for doing the president's bidding because the president did speak out publicly by way of Twitter. And it's that, of course, that Bill Barr is asking him to 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 cease. Yes. Well, I have I have a problem uh, with some of some of the the tweets. I'm happy to say that, in fact, the president has never asked me to do anything in a criminal case. Uh, however, to have public statements and tweets made about the department, uh, about uh, our people in the department, our our men and women here, about cases pending in the department, and about judges before whom we have cases, uh, make it impossible uh, for me to do my job and to assure the courts and the prosecutors in the the department uh, that we're doing our work with integrity. So Bill Barr with a public, some are calling it a public rebuke of the president for his tweeting about DOJ cases. I might call that a public request to the president. Please don't tweet your commentary on things in the DOJ because it makes it impossible for me to do my job. And I'm going to say this before I take a break and then go to Rob Frost. I'm going to say this. Mr. President, please listen to Attorney General Barr. If you drive a wedge between yourself and the AG and have to find yet another AG after doing the right thing in replacing Jeff Sessions with this ingenious, honorable man, 
It is going to be a devastating blow to your presidency and your administration. Mr. Trump, please, I beg you, President Trump, do not uh, alienate or drive a wedge between yourself and Attorney General Barr. I'm going to ask Rob Frost what he thinks about all of that. I'm going to ask Rob Frost what's going on with the Democrats as well. The uh, chairman of the Republican Party in Cuyahoga County will join us next. AM 1420, The Answer. All right, onward now. It is 20 minutes after 9 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to welcome our first guest of the program this morning, Rob Frost. You know him. He is the chairman of the Republican Party of Cuyahoga County. Joining us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Rob. How are you? Good morning, Bob. How are you? I am outstanding. Uh, I'm a little worried about something that's going on within the Republican Party at the federal level, the national level. I'm going to ask you about that. But I want to start with something that I kind of am enjoying about the Democratic Party. As you probably have heard, James Carville uh, went after Bernie Sanders and his supporters uh, in, a, in a ranting interview a few days ago in which he said that it's almost like a cult with Bernie Sanders. And he uh, dismissed Bernie Sanders as a socialist who uh, certainly cannot lead the Democratic Party as the nominee. And this was Bernie response. Uh, James, in all due respect, is a political hack uh, who said very terrible things when he was working for Clinton uh, against Barack Obama. I think he said some of the same things. Kind of curious as to how you can say something with due respect and then say he's a political hack. That's <laughs> not very respectful. But but there there is what Carville said, Rob Frost, is is being echoed by a lot of people, including Tim Ryan, uh, Ohio congressman, who said if uh, Bernie Sanders is our nominee and we run under a banner of democratic socialism, he said we'll lose 48 states. There's a problem yeah. in the Democrat Party because he is right now their frontrunner. Well, a couple of things. First of all, anything that starts with, with all due respect, usually culminates in an insult. So that's what Bernie right. was doing there. And, and, <laughs> and James Carville's response, apparently, uh, someone who knows him well was talking with him and tweeted out. Uh, he acknowledged, yeah, I am a political hack, not an ideological purist, and at least I'm not a communist. And that's what we have. That's where Bernie Sanders would go, um, not just to, to socialism. They call it Democrat, democratic socialism. There really is no such thing. I mean, it is socialism, and, and they're game is communism. Uh, he wants the state to control the means of production. He wants someone in Washington, D.C. to dictate what choices you have about what you can buy, where you can go, where you get your health care and everything. And Tim Ryan's right. He's not right about a lot these days, but he's right. They will lose 48 states, maybe 50, uh, but they'll lose a lot of states. It will be a landslide. And that is where I think we're headed. Bob, I believe that regardless of who the Democrats nominate. Uh, that Donald Trump is going to win re-election. He's going to win that resoundingly. Now, depending on who they nominate, they might win a few more states that would otherwise be thin margins, uh, you know, either way. Uh, But any way you look at this, uh, the president has an economic record, a record of keeping faith and keeping his promises that he made in the uh, in the last election. And that's something that voters are seeing. And a lot of Democrat voters are walking away from that party. Rob, um, I really hope that is the case. Uh, I, too, am, in predi- am predicting a landslide, only because I think Americans can truly see, even if they may not like his personality, what the president has done. And worse for them, uh, for the Democrats, is what they are offering as an alternative. I mean, that that pool of candidates is simply just abysmal. Uh, and that's why they're well, shopping at the last second for somebody else. Bloomberg is hasn't been on a debate stage. Bloomberg has not been in a primary as a named, uh, uh, as a candidate on the uh, ballot. And, uh, and yet he is spending 
millions and millions and millions of dollars in, in ads. They're looking for somebody to ride to the rescue over these, uh, this uh, panel of, uh, or this pool of declared candidates. Uh, so I, I want it to be a landslide, too, and I want to predict a landslide. And, in fact, I kind of have. But I will tell you this, it's not a given. There is room for the president here over the course of the next nine months to, uh, to, to steer this in the wrong direction. And that's why I want to ask you about Barr. Um, sure. Attorney General Bill Barr. Uh, said this after the president tweeted about the ridiculous, uh, completely uh, 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 over, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is, um, the sentencing guidelines or the sentencing recommendation of the federal prosecutors for Roger Stone. President Trump tweeted, this is insane. This is way too much. This is not fair. Bill Barr uh, decided on his own that this is too much and it's not fair and said, yeah, we're not going to be doing that. And uh, immediately the uh, cry from the left was, the president is pulling Bill Barr's puppet strings. Bill Barr said, you know what, I'm doing this on my own. But it does look bad because the president's tweets make it impossible for me to act on my own without looking as though I am not uh, the attorney general, but I am just an extension of the president as his personal attorney. Well, I think Bill Barr handled it very well. And when I say it, I mean both things, both the stone matter uh, and that relationship with the president. Uh, If there's one thing I hear more than anything is people saying, I love the president. I love what he's doing. I love the policies, but I wish he would stop tweeting. I hear that a lot. Uh, The thing is, you can't take half of Donald Trump. And a big part of why he has succeeded is cutting through the mainstream media and taking his message right to people. So you can't really filter that. It's where it is. Uh, And other people see that, too. Democrats hear the president's message. And getting back a minute uh, to the first topic and how they tie together, I don't think it matters who the Democrats nominate in large part because what they're offering on the other side is just lies. They continue to lie about this president. They continue to lie about Republicans. They lump us all together, not just deplorables. We're racist. We hate old people, all the other things they want to characterize us as. And Democrats, many, are seeing this. They're seeing through this. Uh, There's an article making the rounds right now. Uh, A a woman named uh, Carlin uh, Borisenko, a New Hampshire Democrat, or former Democrat, I should say. Uh, You can pull it up on, on Twitter. She's not a Trump supporter really yet, but she went to a Trump rally up in the closing days of the New Hampshire primary. And what she realized was, that there she was very welcomed and people welcomed a discussion on issues. It gets back to what James Carville was saying. Hey, Democrats, take the president on on issues. Well, Bob, they can't because they lose on those issues because of the president's record. Uh, And more and more Democrats are seeing it. And if to your point, it is not a given that we win in a landslide. And if voters here, if Republicans here, if supporters of President Trump here want to know what they can do to help make sure we win Ohio again and to make sure we deliver this state and and the industrial Midwest behind his reelection, it is don't alienate Democrats. Don't alienate those who are are not yet supporters of the president or are reluctant supporters or who say to you, Bob, I, I like the president, but I hate these tweets. Engage them in conversation. Talk to them about what we're all seeing in the economic policies, for example, or if they believe like we do in the sanctity of life, what this president has done more than any other, both in the appointment of judges and in the federal policy engage people in those conversations, make them feel welcome and let them know their voice is welcome, their, their, their vote is welcome. We want to work together. The, the working class voter in Ohio, in Wisconsin, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, and throughout this country is what's going to deliver uh, this reelection for, for President Donald Trump. 
Rob, I want to ask you one more question about this before I ask you to uh, tell us about March 12th, and that is this question. Um, I, I read, I saw an analyst today, uh, maybe it was last night, uh, who said that with this economy, the way things are going in this country right now, President Trump should be polling at 70%. Uh, because, I mean, that's just what this should indicate. And in, in past elections, re-election campaigns for an incumbent president with a super strong economy, they've rolled to a second term. He should be that way, and the only reason that he's not is because of the tweeting. Uh, so what I want to ask you is, do you agree with that? that if he just would kind of lay low and let the acquittal of the impeachment, uh, let the economy speak for itself, let all of these things speak for itself, lay low for the next seven months and cruise to re-election, or keep the uh, you know the Twitter talk going and dominating the news cycle and perhaps turning off people who would be part of that 70%. Agree or disagree? The, if the president stops tweeting, the mainstream media will steamroll him like something you've never seen before. Uh, they are just looking to take him down. It's not the tweeting that has him not necessarily at 70% or 65% today. Uh, it is the mainstream media and the Democrats who continue lying about him and what his record actually is. Now, that being said, his job approval rating is higher than President Obama's was at this time. Uh, we may have a battle on our hands, but the Democrats haven't yet chosen a candidate, and they've got a long way to go until they do. And once that gets defined, uh, that they, they decide who their candidate is, and the contrast is there, this president will be, if we keep to our jobs and do our work here in Ohio, uh, he will be on his way to a landslide reelection. For the record, I agree. I enjoy the president's tweeting when he's triggering and trolling his opponents and the left. I have no problem with that at all, though. I do understand, though, and agree with Attorney General Barr saying, look, just just stop tweeting about DOJ cases. Let us handle this stuff. Don't do things that make it, make it look like we can't do our own jobs here. I get that part. Rob, uh, quickly, March 12th, Lincoln Day dinner. Tell us about it. Sure, Bob. Thanks. Uh, 1420 The Answer is one of our big sponsors of this event yet again this year. We're really looking forward to it. March 12th at the Embassy Suites in Independence, we're going to have with us as our keynote speaker, J.D. Vance. Uh, Many may know that name. He's not only an Iraq War veteran, he is the author of the bestseller Hillbilly Elegy. You want to talk about where legions of former Democrat voters like in Appalachia have been coming over to the Republican Party, seeing how the policies work. J.D. Vance captured that in that uh, in that book that's being made into a movie. So we want people to come out and join us. We'll have with us uh, Congressman Dave Joyce, Anthony Gonzalez, also Ohio Treasurer Robert Sprague. And again, that's March 12th at the Embassy Suites in Independence. Uh, people can go to CuyahogaCountyGOP.com to get their tickets. That website is live. You can get their tickets today. And uh, they could also call us at 216 216- Six two one five four one seven. We'd love to have people come on out, and we thank WHK fourteen twenty The Answer for being a big sponsor of the event again this year. We are always proud of sponsoring the uh, the Lincoln Day Dinner for the uh, Cuyahoga County GOP. Absolutely. Uh, the website again: Cuyahoga County. All spelled out, right? Cuyahoga County GOP. Correct. dot com. dot com. Rob Frost, Chairman of the Cuyahoga County GOP. Thanks so much for your insight, my friend. We'll talk again. Bob, thank you. Have a great Valentine's Day. Thank you. You do the same. We go from Rob Frost to Rob Walgate. We're just silly with Rob's today. He'll join us after the news. AM 1420 The
37. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Good Friday to you. It's a uh, free-for-all Friday, but we are loaded up with guests, so apologies. You're not going to have a ton of time to make phone calls today with your free-for-all thoughts. But uh, uh, we are uh, heavy on Rob's today. Rob Frost joined us last segment. Now I say good morning to my friend Rob Walgate from the Ohio Roundtable, the AP Roundtable, the Public Square Broadcast Network, and iVoters.com. Mr. Walgate, it's been a long time. How are you, sir? It has. All is well. How are you, Bob? I am fantastic. Happy Valentine's Day. You doing something special for Mrs. Walgate? Always. Always. She might be listening, so we can't talk about what it is, right? She she may be listening. As a matter of fact, (laughs) I know she's listening. So, um, yeah, it'll be be taken care of. You know, the fortunate thing is is, um, I'm blessed to be married to a wonderful woman, and she's pretty low maintenance, so I know I don't have to go too above and beyond. Nothing crazy. If only she could say the same. Uh, okay, now let's <laughs> True story. Tease. I tease because I love, and uh, who, and why should I not love? It's Valentine's Day. All right, uh, Rob, a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about. I was glad to have a, a, a chat with you uh, throughout the week as we set this thing up. I want to talk to you, or I want to ask you, rather, uh, because especially with your work through iVoters.com, you understand and explain on that website, you and your team, however many pe- pe- people you have working on iVoters.com, you explain the delegate process so very well. Uh the, the Democrats can't seem to get out of their own way in terms of counting delegates. Going back now to the Iowa uh, caucuses, which, of course, were the first uh, uh, time people had a chance to cast votes for uh, one of the Democrats in this primary fight. Um, and it, they, they, it took them a week before they finally said, we have 100% reporting. And even as they were about to do that, the DNC chair, Tom Perez, said, let's recanvass the entire thing. Tell us, tell us what in the world the delegate process is all about and why it is so difficult to do with caucuses, particularly when it comes to the Democrats. Well, the interesting thing, I think, coming out of Iowa, once everything that's counted, Bob, that you don't hear a lot of people talking about is Bernie Sanders will have received more votes from the Iowa caucus than anyone else. However, Pete Buttigieg will receive more delegates. What does that sound like to you? Does that not sound like an electoral college process? Isn't that the same thing that Democrats constantly rail about, that you shouldn't have a process where the person who doesn't receive the most votes is not rewarded the most? I never so thought the Democrats of it that are doing that's the ex- exactly right. Yeah, I never thought the of Democrats it that The Democrats are doing the exact same thing that they scream about, yet no one's talking about it because they have it set up in a way to where they have different processes for how delegates are rewarded based on a statewide vote, but also based on a district vote and how many votes you receive in each district. And to receive any delegates whatsoever, you need to receive 15% of the vote in that respective state or in that respective district. And here's the bottom line. is So far, they've awarded roughly 80 delegates in this process. And everyone's talking about Joe Biden's in, is he out, is his his time over? There's roughly roughly 4,000 delegates up for grabs during the whole process. So the thought that someone could be in or out based on what happens in Iowa and New Hampshire, this is a marathon, but yet the media is treating it like it's a sprint and everyone gets all caught up in winners and losers and what may happen and may not happen. There's a long way to go in deciding this and a lot will be decided on Super Tuesday. I get that, um, but they do have history on their side, those who are putting so much stock in uh, Iowa New Hampshire, because if I heard it right, and correct me if I didn't, um, no Democrat has ever won the nomination without winning either Iowa or New Hampshire. Nobody has ever gone 0 for 2 in the first two and then gone on to be the nominee. 
Right, but they've changed it. No, that that's correct. But they've changed the rules a little bit this year. One reason for that in the past has been because the media makes such a big deal about it. Like, and to me, I care. I compare it to maybe winning opening day during the mm-hmm. baseball season. There's 161 games left. Whoever wins opening day is not a guarantee to be in the World Series. But the media treats it like that. That's number one. Number two, the rules in the past gave an advantage because of what we know as super delegates. People that weren't tied to the voters and what was decided, they'd made up their mind ahead of time when they get to the convention. This year, the way the Democrats have done it, there's roughly 4,000 delegates up for grabs. To win on the first ballot, you have to have locked up 50% plus one, in essence, plus one delegate of the delegates available to win on the first ballot. And the way it looks right now, the way it looks right now, Bob, I'm not sure anyone can do that. And the reason for that is Bernie... Everyone thinks he's a front runner, and he's going to win a number of delegates in California and Illinois and all these other places that make that decision because of the way the Democrats set it up. But I think you're going to see the rest of the Democrat field go into let's not let Bernie get the nomination mode. That's what they're going to do. The fight is going to be to keep Bernie below that 50 percent threshold so they can have a brokered convention. Then on the second ballot in the convention in July in Milwaukee, 700 superdelegates come into play and they can help make the decision for the party. Rob Walgate is our guest. He is with the Ohio uh, Roundtable. He's with uh, iVoters.com as well, which I want to talk to you about in a moment, um, especially because you're getting a lot of uh, getting ready to put some things on the, the uh, page for the Ohio primary, which is coming up March 17th. And voting, early voting begins in five days, believe it or not, here in Ohio on February 19th. But uh, let me ask you about the Bloomberg effect. What is your opinion? Because he, of course, wasn't on the ballot. He had to be a write-in uh, in uh, uh, Iowa and in New Hampshire, uh, where I guess he did win a ton of uh, write-in votes uh, uh, after the fact in New Hampshire. But he hasn't been in a, on a debate stage with these people. He has not uh, been on a ballot. Um, what is the Bloomberg factor? If if Bernie is the front runner and everybody's goal is stop him from uh, uh, from getting fifty percent plus one and getting to a brokered convention. Um, how big of a role does Bloomberg play in that? He plays a big role, and I think it could backfire. And here's why, because I think a lot of the people that maybe would have supported Joe Biden have moved over and said, well, I can support Bloomberg. He, he's kind of like Joe Biden in some of his policies. But in doing so, maybe they, they're not showing up in primary states that are yet to be held. Maybe Bloomberg is not on the ballot in that state. Therefore, they're not getting Biden or others to that 15% threshold and that's going to allow Bernie to continue to accumulate delegates. That's going to be a problem as the Democrats move forward and have this divisiveness. Here's the thing I don't get, Bob. Remember, Bernie runs as an independent. He calls himself a Democrat socialist. He's elected for the United States Senate as an independent. I can't believe Democrats allow him to take part in their primary process when he has no commitment to the party. He is using them unlike any other. And I think some people are getting a whiff of that. You talked about James Carville and others that are saying, wait a minute here. Look what's happening with these ideas. Are these what we believe in? And he's using the party, and he may use it all the way to the nomination. And I'll tell you what, the Democrats are learning a lesson. The fact that they're putting all their weight in California, New York, and Illinois, and all these states when it comes to the delegate process. Well, guess what? The Electoral College is a board game when it comes to November. That's not who decides who the president is. Illinois and California and New York are going to vote for Democrats no matter what. They need to worry about Wisconsin and Michigan and Ohio and Pennsylvania and Florida and these other states. And I don't think they're paying attention to voters in those states.
Rob Allgate is our guest uh, from iVoters.com. Rob, uh, real quick on on the president. What does it say to you that the president is enjoying extraordinary turnout, getting more votes uh, than uh, any incumbent in recent memory, including Barack Obama, including George H.W. Bush and, or excuse me, George W. Bush, George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton? Um, they're rolling out to make sure, at least so far in Iowa and in New Hampshire, to make sure that uh, everybody knows how solid the support for President Trump is. What do you make of it? Well, throughout my travels in Ohio and throughout my travels around the country, there's one sign that I see that's good news for President Trump. I see it in many communities, and that sign is help wanted. Every business owner I know continually says they're looking for good people to hire, and the reason for that is the way the economy is thriving. I think it sends a strong message about what the president's done. Now, there's a number of folks that talk about some of the things that maybe need fixed. We need to get spending under control. There's some things that can be fixed in that second term. But the president is has is having amazing success at so many things. And I'll tell you what, the other thing's happening, Bob. The reason people are showing up, showing up is because they don't feel like they can talk about their support for the president in any other way because, listen, the left wants to talk about bullying. The left in my opinion, are doing nothing but bullying others when they express their support and opinion for the president. Uh, you know, we're a nonpartisan organization. I am registered as an independent, believe it or not. And I, what I see around is anyone that says anything kind about the president, the left is going to jump on and attack. We've seen attacks happen around the country, and it's sad, it's disgusting, and it's unfortunate in this country we live in that we're seeing those things happen based upon whether it's a hat you put on your head or the support you express online for someone. Rob, tell me about iVoters.com and when uh, uh, voters here in Ohio, which of course, as I say, start early voting on uh, the 19th, when can they start to see uh, information about the um, uh, uh, individuals, uh, candidates, and issues on the ballot? Early early voting starts February 19th, as you said. iVoters.com, you'll be able to enter your address and zip code at that time. Up will pop who's running in your area from state rep all the way to the White House. Uh, in the primary in Ohio, it's an open primary, so you can show up and tell them which ballot you want. You want to vote for the Republicans, the Democrats. You want an issues ballot only in the primary process, depending on where you live, if you have any issues on your ballot but our team's working on that right now and it will be up in the next week and we hope everyone visit the site you can go there now and you can see the delegate scoreboard and other information as it pertains to the elections all right rob walgate last thing you mentioned how similar iowa is in terms of with the democrats the person getting the most votes did not get the most credit in terms of the delegates you compared that to the electoral college which they constantly rail against so i'm going to ask you same question i'm going to ask peter kersenow who's an attorney uh, uh and a constitutional scholar next segment but Rob Walgate, Virginia just passed legislation that would take their electoral votes from the state of Virginia and cast them for the winner of the national popular election rather than the Virginia popular election. In other words, the decision of the people of Virginia to choose one candidate over the other may be cast aside if the national popular vote uh, runs uh, contrary to that. Is that constitutional in your opinion? I don't feel it is. I don't think any state, the Constitution clearly lays out. And again, I would defer to Peter. He's much more of a constitutional expert on this than I am. So I would love to hear his thoughts. But uh, the Constitution reads that no state can enter in a treaty without the authority of Congress. So they wouldn't have the ability to do that. The interesting thing, Bob, is that 16 states have done this. And it equals roughly 196 electoral college votes, I believe. And there's a trigger mechanism that when it gets to 270, that's in essence will, when it will go into effect. So they are around the country trying to do this. They came to Ohio 
They were here for about 10 days. They submitted language, and they realized that the people of Ohio were not going to hear this and, and ran them out of town because they wanted no part of this. Because, in essence, what you would have happening is you would have the state of California deciding the, the presidential election every year. You would have uh, the state of New York deciding that, and, and that's not going to happen. No one's for that. No one wants to see that. Listen, the Democrats don't believe that either, or they would be holding their nomination process in the primary by the popular vote, but they don't do that. And there's a reason they don't do that, because it doesn't make sense in the country we live in. I'm thankful the, the founders of this country had the foresight to see and understand that. Uh, Rob Walgate, very well said. Uh, I didn't realize it was 16. I knew there had been a handful. The one that was in the news, though, is Virginia, because perhaps they're the most recent. So uh, I will talk to uh, Pete about that, too. And a uh, little spoiler alert, I brought up what you had said to me about this to him. He is in agreement with you, which he will explain in more depth coming up after 10 o'clock. So hopefully you'll still be listening. And uh, Rob Walgate, thank you so much for the information and uh, for all you do at iVoters.com and with the AP Roundtable. Thanks for having me. I will be listening. We'll be compiling stuff for iVoters.com for your listeners to visit. I appreciate your time, Bob. Thanks. Make sure you're sprinkling glitter properly on the Valentine you're making for your wife. (laughs) Yeah, uh, homemade cards are the best. She loves them. That's right. You better believe it, buddy, just like we did in school. Uh, Happy Valentine's Day, Rob Walgate. Same to you, my friend. It is 9.50. Take a quick time out. Uh, I got time for calls in this segment here. It's a short one, but if you want to be heard, do it now. 216-901-0945. Right back. Happy Valentine's Day. I guess we're going romantic here for uh, at least for a little while. DJ Derek is choosing the tune, so he's decided to go with George Michael. Right. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, Peter Kersenow coming up with, with us uh, in a few minutes at about 10.10, so I guess about 14 minutes after the top of the hour news. We'll try to squeeze a call in or two here. Uh, before that is Michael first up, I believe. Michael in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Michael. Go right ahead, sir. Michael, are you there? Okay, can, can we bring Michael there? Or Michael up or no? James in Lorraine County then next. James, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Bob. Okay, James, go right ahead. Good answer. morning. Good morning. Happy Friday to you, Bob. And to you as well. Bob, I had a question. I'm kind of confused with the the term democratic socialist yeah. or socialist democrat because it sounds the same no matter what way you say it. Maybe you know. Maybe you can help me with that definition there, or help your audience. Well, well, to be to be truthful, um, look, they throw the modifier Democrat or Democratic in front of socialist to try to soften the blow, as if that means you're not a socialist. Dennis Prager and uh, Prager U did an amazing video on on that uh, that 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 defines socialism and points out how uh, the the you know they try to soften it a little bit by saying democratic there's no difference between a democratic socialist and a socialist there really is not at the okay. end of the day they do believe okay. in confiscating confiscating uh the wealth and concentrating the wealth in the government hands for distribution to the uh to the serfs if you will as they see fit um it is well, it is hold on james it is no different quite frankly yeah. when you hear democratic socialism than flat-out communism and there's a great article in the new york post that's trending right now about that that i would encourage everybody to read do not think democratic okay. makes it any less socialism or communism yeah your last guest seemed 
that uh, he was a little confused, as I am, about it, that the, the Democratic Party was uh, being uh, captured by that term or something like that. That uh, I well, don't know. Not, not well. All he meant, James, is that the, they they have fallen. They have fallen for it, and they have fallen in with it. They're not, you know, meaning they're they're be, they're being captured or they're being uh, they're being won over by those who are trying to sell socialism as something yeah. that is good. Yeah, it's not, you know, not. Well, a lot of young people that I talk to when I when I mention that term to them, no matter what way I say it, forward or backward, they seem to give you a different answer and are confused by it. Well, well, you're right. They they are very confused, particularly the young people. They are very confused about what socialism means. They don't know what it means, and they don't know the the trauma that it brings to not only any society that tries it, but the individuals who live within it. And I can tell you story after story after story about it um, with people who survived it in other countries and escaped it to come here. And that's what needs to be spread to today's young people. (laughs) Yeah, I mean okay. today, today's young people need to hear from these uh, from these individuals. Matter of fact, James, I got to run. I appreciate the call. Let me say this: Hey, um, you're a great storyteller. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, man. Um, listen, right. love it. Uh, P- P- Peter Kersenow, uh is going to be coming on with us here in a minute, and uh, and we got to we got to cut that line, please. Um, uh, Peter Kersenow is going to be with with us here in a minute, and and at about ten ten anyway. He told the story of what socialism looks like in real life from his father's perspective. Um, that I wish he could tell. He told the story on stage when we were doing the the event in November uh, this past uh, November, and he he it was it was engrossing. It was unbelievable. Uh, I was on the edge of my seat listening to him tell the tales that his father survived. Uh, in in a socialist slash communist country growing up, it was very strange and very interesting because Doctor Sebastian Gorka was on that same stage with us back in November at the event, if you recall, and Doctor Gorka told a similar story of his family's survival in those types of conditions. Uh, it was like between the two of them, both of them, you know, it's like they experienced the same thing but in different places and at different times, and it will smack you in the face if you hear those stories in full. Um, and and you will you will absolutely be motivated to do everything and anything that you have to do to stop Bernie Sanders and a, and any democratic socialists like AOC or others from uh, trying to fundamentally transform this free market capitalist society into that. I, I can't overstate that. I'll ask Peter maybe to give us a smaller version, a shorter thumbnail sketch version of his father's tale uh, of misery. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes, but uh, you won't be able to get the full effect unless I give him a full half hour, 45 minutes to tell the full story. Uh, but we'll do our best. Do not be mistaken. Do not be fooled. Socialism is communism. It is destructive and it kills. And it should never be allowed to take root in the United States. News time now. Kirsten, I'll come in. Right? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.